Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. My guest for today is Amy Ford. Amy is the president of Embrace Grace, which is a nonprofit organization formed for the purpose of providing curriculum and leadership support for churches nationwide to open their arms to young women with unplanned pregnancies. I'm a fan of this organization after sitting down and talking with Amy, and I know you will as well. In fact, Embrace Grace is utilized by over 700 churches across the nation and the world. Maybe this is something that your church would like to get involved in in 2021 after you listen to today's show. My friend Bree connected us a few months ago, and I am so grateful that she did. In today's episode, we talk about our new goals for 2021, the work that Embrace Grace is doing to empower women with resources, and her own story on going through an unplanned pregnancy. Amy also tells so many incredible stories about encountering women with unplanned pregnancies in the most unlikely places, like a drive through and the importance of pro-love action beyond the pro-life stance. She worded it so perfectly when she said, you can't just vote a certain way. You have to be able to walk alongside her and put actions to our beliefs. If you're pro-life, where's the action behind it? Because that's where the radical change is going to happen. This was such a good episode for having an important conversation from a woman who is walking the walk and helping women. I'm thankful for Amy's voice in this conversation and her commitment to protect life and support women. In fact, check out her newest book that released this month, Help Her Be Brave. Guys, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this yet, but we have an upcoming marriage challenge. In fact, it's not upcoming, it's now. Today is the day that you can join us. And my husband, Aaron, and I have a new project all around marriage coming out in March. And we thought, you know what? Let's spend the entire year of 2021 really investing in our marriage and let's invite people to do it with us. And so that's where we've created the Marriage Challenge of 2021. You can join us, text MARRIAGE to 55444. And then you can get an email and be a part of this marriage challenge. We're gonna talk with couples that we believe have important things to say about marriage. And we wanna encourage you. We wanna be your cheerleaders this year. Because listen, marriage is hard. It really is. It's also amazing and wonderful and beautiful and one of my favorite gifts I've ever been given by God. But let me tell you, marriage in 2020 was difficult. And I don't know if I'm alone here, but we are committed to this year to being intentional and investing in our marriage. So would you join us? Text marriage to 55444. All right, friends, here's my conversation with Amy Ford. Amy, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so excited to be here. And happy 2021. I know. It feels so weird. I was hoping something would switch and like the world is magical again. (laughs) Okay. I do have a New Year's question for you. Do you make New Year's resolutions? I make goals. But I'm not. There's usually one or two that I stick to, but then the rest all. Do you do the word? Like the word? Oh, you do? I do the word of the year. What was your word of the year 2020? It was miracles. And it was two. It was miracles and C. And it's so funny because C, I feel like there were so many questions of like, what are we about to do? Should we plan this event or plan this event? You know, we have about 13 on staff at Embrace Grace and trying to make plans. And it's like, I literally said all the time, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) So it wasn't exactly the kind of way, but we did, we saw so many miracles in the messes. There was crisis brings clarity. And so we definitely saw some things that even need to be changed, like with our organization. That's why are we doing things this way when we can do it this way? And so it was hard, 
And it was messy and it was amazing. Okay. We're clearly recording this before January 21, but I need you to text me and give me your new word. Okay, well. So I will know this. You know, you said something interesting is you said we had to pivot and change things. I think that we're going to look back on 2020 and think a lot of things. I mean- Good, bad, all the things. But I think people in their families, in their personal life, in their work, in their churches, all kinds of their organizations are going to look back and say, what you just said is that in the crisis, there was clarity and you will find new ways to do things. What are some things that you guys changed? Well, one thing that I actually have felt like doesn't work, it can work, but it's hard, but that we, I lead an organization called Embrace Grace. We help women with unexpected pregnancies and we walk alongside them and we help churches all over the nation welcome these girls in and they do these 12-week support groups at the churches. Well, having to pivot to virtual and doing Zoom and our groups are very healing. It's freedom ministry, getting to the root of things. And so when you're having to be vulnerable and authentic through a computer screen— has been very challenging. And just looking, like sometimes a baby dad will walk by in the background and the other girl in the class is like, wait, who can hear this? Like I just spilled my guts, you know? So that has been very challenging and you just can't replace being in person. Holding someone's hand as they pour their heart out and allow God to heal. But God still worked, you know? So that was one challenging thing. But one of the things just from a business side, you know, we do a lot of events and events are amazing because we get to connect with people. But there's also power in marketing through social media and that ends up being actually even a lot cheaper, you know, than doing the events. But just noticing that there's so much opportunity that's out there that we didn't really tap into before. Everyone's kind of on social media right now with just this past year and elections and all the things, you're reading all the articles and all of that. So there's a lot of opportunity to capture someone's attention when they are focused on you. Whereas at a conference or event, they just kind of are going by. Yeah. But there's value in both. Yep. But it just opened a new door. I just find it so interesting how so many people are going to change the way they've done things Mm -hmm. because of walking through this global pandemic where everything changed. It's so interesting. Okay, you mentioned Embrace Grace, and this is the organization that you run. And just to give everyone a little touch base as to how I found out about you is in the fall— Probably in October, I'm guessing. I did an Instagram live with my friend Bree Stensrud, and we talked about pro-life and abortion, and it was a huge topic of conversation around the election that we had. And when we were done, she said, you have to meet my friend. Well, she mentioned you on the Instagram live. And then when we were done, she goes, I need to connect you guys. And I said, yes, of course you do. And so that's how we got connected. And I'm so excited because I've started following your organization, all you guys are doing. You touched for a small second just a minute ago on what your organization does. Tell us about it and then we'll dive in. Yeah. So Embrace Grace, we have these support groups for girls with unplanned pregnancies all over the nation. And we just believe that the church should be one of the first places a girl runs to when she's in that situation instead of the last because of shame and guilt. A lot of times when I invite girls to church that are pregnant, they're like, wait, what? Like, Mm. I'm pregnant. I'm not married. Are there strings attached? Or, you know, they always think that we're going to tell them that they're a screw up. And it's so amazing when they do get the courage to finally show up. It's not ever what they expect. Like, they hear our stories as leaders and they're like, okay, well, if that's her story, that's way worse than (laughs) 
than right. my story. So maybe this is a safe place for me. And they think that church is about behavior modification when it really should be about a heart transformation. So we have these 12-week support groups for girls when they're pregnant and then pregnancy centers, which are pro-life health clinics that are around the nation. They refer girls to the churches or just word of mouth. People, you know, my hairdresser's daughter is pregnant or whatever. And they get to come, they get a baby shower, they get loved on, they're discipled, they get a princess day, which is so amazing. It's just about their identity, value, mm-hmm. and worth. And we want them to fall in love with Jesus. And because we're not there trying to fix people, we just want to introduce them to a heavenly father that loves them so much. And he's who radically changes their lives. And so we have Embrace Grace. And then we also have young single mom support groups as well, Embrace Life. That And so we're in about 700 churches, 47 states and 10 countries. Oh my gosh, we call Amy. It a pro-love movement. Like I believe pro-life is a stance but pro-love is an action. And it has to be more than just a stance of what you believe. This is what I believe. This is what I vote, you know, whatever. It's got to be more than that. I mean, that might do some, Uh but this is what, pro-love is what's going to radically change lives and help abortions not feel like they're necessary Mm. for these women. And so it's awesome to see they are experiencing the love of God that they've maybe never gotten to experience before. And, you know, the scripture says it's God's kindness that leads is to repentance. And so just seeing all, even the baby showers, like how the churches come together and throw, we call them prodigal parties. Like it's so over the top and so beautiful. And they're so blown away that people that they have never Mm. met before would buy something for their baby and their baby's favorite color, you know, that they picked. And we've seen women surrender their life to Jesus. We've seen altar calls at baby showers for unplanned pregnancies in churches. And it's so healing, so amazing. And we want them to just raise their kids in the church, be a part of a spiritual family, and let this be a new season where they feel empowered and equipped by the people that are surrounding them through the church. I love this. Now, which three states do not currently have programs? I know we just got Hawaii. I think Alaska's one. I t- actually don't remember what the you other two are. You need to tell are. me because we're going to call them out. Okay. The entire okay. state. I will. The entire state needs to get on board with this. For sure. And bring I'll find this out. to your church. I love this so much. Amy, I don't know if you know this about me. There's no reason that you would, but I had two unplanned pregnancies when I was in college. Yeah. And so this is you know, a huge part of my story. And when you're talking about how a woman might feel from the church— I grew up in the church. I knew all the things about God. I knew all the things I wasn't supposed to do. At the top of that list was have sex. And then when I found myself pregnant, I felt scared of church. And I hate that, you know? And that's why I so love what you guys are doing because that is where someone should feel the most safe and the most loved and the most comfortable. And so what your organization is doing, I am such a fan. I am so proud of what you guys are doing. So proud. Now, I want to hear from you about no one just stumbles into, I would assume, starting an organization for women with unplanned pregnancies. So where does your story weave into this? So I grew up in church as well, and I went to church every week, went to a Christian private school, but never really had a relationship with the Lord. And so I found out I was pregnant when I was 19, totally terrified, scared to tell my parents. The church was like the last place I thought to go to. So 
me and my baby daddy, which is now my husband, we decided to have, we're just going to get an abortion. And I even remember when I was little, we would stand outside abortion clinics and like pray for the women in there. And I kind of knew what was going on, but I was focused on the baby, not really thinking about Mm. what she was going through. I was young, you know, I didn't really know. But in that moment, I was like, you know what? We can have an abortion. We'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. Let's just get this done. And the father of the baby, we felt the same way. We were just terrified. It was fear makes you do crazy things. Mm -hmm. And enemy lies to you. And we we thought every worst case scenario that could pop, we thought we would be homeless. I mean, we thought crazy stuff. So we paid for it went to the abortion clinic and they made Ryan wait out into the waiting room. And when I went in, they started explaining it to me and I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. Like, oh, I had really stuffed down all my emotions and fears and it just sort of erupted in that room. And when I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And they said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. And so- And how far along were you? I was just six weeks, seven weeks. newly pregnant, okay. Very newly pregnant, yeah. So went back on the waiting room, told Ryan we're still pregnant. He could see my face was swollen from crying so hard. And we were just like, okay, we're going to figure this out. Like if we're going to be homeless, like we'll figure it out together. We had been together for like three or four years. We knew in the future we wanted to get married, just not in this order. And so we decided to go ahead and get married. And so when we were 16 weeks, we told my family it wasn't as horrible as what we thought. You know, again, the enemy lies to you. Yeah. So we decided to get married. And so we had gone to the man that had led Ryan to the Lord years before and was like Ryan's mentor. He loved, Ryan loves this pastor so much, but we asked if he would marry us. And he said, no, because you've sinned, I can't bless this marriage. And we were like, oh my word, like we are such horrible people. We can't even get married right, you know? And so we ended up finding someone else to marry us, but it was like a day of shame. Like it felt like a scarlet letter on our wedding day. And so then we tried to go back to church, but it's like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations Mm. or I'm sorry. So they don't say anything. And then you feel alone in a crowd of people. And I'm pretty extrovert. Like I have a lot of friends, but it's like people just sort of distance themselves. And I knew everyone knew, Mm -hmm. but yet they're not talking to me about it. Mm -hmm. So they must be talking about it behind my back. Just didn't like the whole situation. So we just stopped going for a really long time. But one thing that's really cool is that that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he called Ryan out of the blue a couple years later, and he said, I need to ask for forgiveness. I felt like it was my worst mistake in pastoring history that I had ever made. Will you please forgive me? And my husband was like, yes. I mean, Ryan loves. In fact, he is a pastor here in Austin, and they're still such good friends to this day, and they talk at least once a week. So I had a son. Jess, he's 22 now, and he had he just graduated from Oral Roberts University, has a degree in theology, just got married in July, and he is on fire, passionate for the Lord. Like he just said, the enemy planned to take him out, but he's here and he's wow. going to use his life to change the world into. And, and so he has a heart for evangelism, big time, and it's just cool to see. And when he was 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he asked me to come to Austin and speak to his church, and he wanted me to talk about pro love, and he was very very open with his congregation before I had even gotten there about just, he said, I had a religious spirit, a Pharisee heart. This is what I did, but now here's Embrace Grace and what's come of it. And so then I came, I spoke. And afterwards, he's like, Amy, I want you to come back on the platform and I want your son, Jess, to come up here too. Again, he's 16 years old. He said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you. And I was like, 
I forgave you a long time ago. Yeah, yes, of course. Well, then he looked at my son. Oh my gosh. 16 in front of the whole church. And he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16, in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment. I mean, you could see church wounds being lifted in that room, the fact that he would humble himself in that way. And even healing for Jess too, because I didn't tell Jess his story till he was 13 when my first book came out. And I took him to the Cheesecake Factory and I was like, I had all my friends praying. I'm like, don't, I don't want him to feel like he wasn't watching. I was just a young kid. I didn't know, you know, what God knew and I didn't know. So I told him and, you know, he's a typical 13-year-old boys. I'm like, how does this make you feel? We love you. And he's like, oh, you know, just like a boy. (laughs) But over the next few months, he did kind of struggle. And I didn't really know that he was struggling with like, what is my purpose? And why am I here? And my parents never planned me. And the enemy just lying to him until six months later, he heard directly from the Lord that he was planned and that Mm. God did plan him. And then that's when he really was like, you know, I Satan had a plan to take me out, but I'm here. And it just to really gave him more of a passion and a drive to help men and women with their identity and their value. We, me and him were just got to do the James Robinson show last week. And just doing this with him yeah. now is so what amazing. A joy. Yes, it's so what a joy. awesome. What so a joy. All of that just really fueled like the church can be the answer. Like we can hold hands together and help each other and not kick each other when we're down, but pick each other up when we fall. And so that really just so, and I never thought I'm going to start a pro-life organization. I didn't even know that there was a pro-life movement. I thought pro-life people were like picketers. Right, right. That yell, because that's what the media uh-huh. likes to say. Yeah. I had no idea. I just thought, I'm going to start an organization. Um, or actually, I just started a small group at my church, Gateway Church in Texas. And we started a small group, and three girls came. And one wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified of anyone seeing her walk into church being Mm. pregnant. They wouldn't make eye contact. There was just a hopelessness about them. And even back then, I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing, but I'm really good at cheering people. I'm like, you're going to be a great mom. Uh You can do this. God loves you. And it was amazing to Mm. see. Over 12 weeks, they completely transformed, and they all three got saved. So we did it again. Three more girls came, then eight, then 14, and it just started growing. And then other churches started calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? We're like, sure. We kind of started writing our own curriculum. We never in a million years knew God was going to do what he did. And so then it wasn't until about 2012 or 13, I'm like, I think we're supposed to help people help people. We're supposed to help the church be the church in this area. And so I had got asked to speak at a pro-life conference and never heard of these people ever and got there and was completely blown away by all of the amazing resources, the vendors that were there were all organizations that are boots on the ground Mm. that are helping these women, not even just through the pregnancy, but for her whole life if she'll allow it. That's what I love about the church. The church can love on a mom her whole life if she'll allow them to. And I just, you know, there are over 300,000 churches in America if we all were doing something, we could really change this issue. And mm-hmm. I remember one time there was a girl that I talked to. She's over, and she's okay with me telling me the story. In fact, it's in my book, but she's over pro-life San Francisco, and she's a pro-life atheist. And so she's like, it's all about science, you know, for her. And so she uh, came up to me, and she asked me to speak at Berkeley with all these pro-life speakers. And I was like, well, you know, I talk about God and <laughs> pro-love yeah. and all that. Like, is that going to be an issue? And she's like, no, it's not an issue. She said, I don't believe in your God, but I believe in the power of your people. Wow. You get your people to actually do something, this issue wouldn't be an issue anymore. I'm wow. like, oh, <laughs> okay. I think you got a point, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. So we've got the manpower 
But if we all can tap into what strength, what gift do we have to make a difference? Like what makes you pound your fist on the table and say, someone has to do something about this? Follow your heart. Because a lot of times that someone is you. Like God put that inside of you. Or thinking about your story. Maybe someone you know experienced an unplanned pregnancy, or maybe someone's listening right now and they've experienced an abortion. And I just want to say to you that God does want to use you. Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And sharing our story is even how we heal and that you're not disqualified for ministry. You are qualified and God wants you to use your story. You can be the person that you wish you had years ago in your life when you made that decision. We have so many Embrace Grace leaders that are have experienced an abortion and they love walking out their healing by leading Embrace Grace groups. But maybe it's that, or maybe you just, your daughter had an unexpected pregnancy and there's something like my husband, he's great at finances. So he helps a single mom with her budgeting. Maybe it's you're really great at nurturing and mentoring, or maybe you're a social media influencer and you have a ton of followers using your voice to help in that way. Maybe it's on the political side and you're passionate about political. I mean, if all of us are doing something to help her, we can make abortion unthinkable. And that's where the lasting change is. Because if we say abortion's illegal, that's good too. But like, think about her. How would she feel if she was forced into the decision mm-hmm. rather than felt empowered yeah. in the decision yeah. of making a life decision. Like, why do I feel like I need to have an abortion when all of these resources that are out there? Right. And even birth moms that play, you know, we have girls that go through Embrace Grace that have placed their baby for adoption. I just feel like the fact that they sacrifice their body for nine months to save a baby's life is one of the most amazing selfless mm-hmm. things that they could ever do when you can have access to abortion, right. but yet instead you choose life in that way is so amazing. And we throw her like a big, instead of a baby shower, a big celebration of life shower and buy her all kinds of things and just love on her through words and and through love and, and help her feel empowered in her mm-hmm. decision as well. And then even for the woman that does choose abortion, we don't want her to, but if she does, we feel like the church should be a safe place place for her, for healing. Every church should have abortion healing groups. I mean, one in four have experienced an abortion. And the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. So we need to have abortion healing groups, help them get through healing, and then empower them to go use their story to change lives. You know, I love all that you guys are doing. And people that have been a longtime listener will remember when Holly Hayes was on here and she talked about her past abortions and she told a story about walking into an abortion clinic and having the picketers, you know, you're a baby killer, you're awful, we hate you. And then she said when she came out of the abortion clinic through the back door, she's like, nobody was there. Mm-hmm. She said, where are the backdoor Christians? Where are the ones that are gonna love me on the other side of that? And so the church has such an opportunity to step up. And I've been really just convicted a little bit and challenged by what we saw in 2020. 20, and we won't talk about politics, but what we saw with the, you know, the, the anti-abortion pro-life movement in the presidential election race, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking like, I want everyone that is pro-life, like all of us in this room, probably most people listening, to carry that on into 2021 and 2022 and 2023 Mm -hmm. and not just when we have our next election in 2024. And what you're saying is everyone has an opportunity to do something. You can show up in the church and do something. When I think back to your story about your pastor, and it's just a beautiful story of redemption and forgiveness. And listen, 
We've all been that pastor, Mm -hmm. just so we're all clear here. We're not throwing stones at him because we've all been that pastor. And the way his act of repentance and forgiveness is beautiful. What are some ways that you see the church really turning more into the way that your pastor exhibited that? Like, I'm going to love you. I wish I would have said yes, all the things. What are some ways that you see the church really stepping into that? Because- we could spend the whole hour talking about how the church needs to be better, mm-hmm. but I'm a big cheerleader of the church, and I think we are capable, like you said, of making something unthinkable. So what are some ways that you see the church really stepping up and doing that? Well, for sure, just knowing all of the resources that are out there is huge. Like knowing where is your local pregnancy center. I talk to a lot of pastors, and they kind of don't know what a pregnancy center is, or they confuse it with maybe a Planned Parenthood or things like that. When these pregnancy centers are donor-funded organizations that are doing free Everything's free for her. Pregnancy testing, sonograms, letting her see the baby, let her hear the heartbeat, talking about all of her options, including abortion, but the real raw truth of it Mm -hmm. and empowering her and what it is. You know, I wish there was a cookie cutter way to save a baby and empower a mom. You know, A plus B equals C, baby saved, and she's doing great. But it's so Holy Spirit led, so custom and unique to every single situation. And so, and it takes relationship. So, knowing her, what is it that she needs? Is it that she's worried about childcare? How can the church help in that area with childcare? Because what you're really saying is no woman just go, like finds out she's pregnant. It's like, oh, I can't wait to get an abortion today. Right. No one thinks I'm going to have an abortion someday. That's there's a be reason behind that. Yeah, fear. Whether it would be financial, mm-hmm. emotional, spiritual, there's a fear of... Yeah, fear is usually all the root of it all. Fear of not having enough money, fear of my baby daddy hating me or my parents hating me or having to drop out of school mm-hmm. or job, you know, whatever that might look like. Fear's the root. So that's why our tagline is help her be brave. Like how can we as the church help her be brave and get her back on her feet, whatever that might look like. And again, it could be that she's worried about transportation. She does mm-hmm. not have a car. Well, how simple would it be for us to put our resources together and get this girl a car so she can choose life Yeah, and be empowered to yeah. do that? I mean, and there's so many different ways. I mean, I love... There are still some churches where like, you know, I don't really know. Is this condoning sin? Is this rewarding bad behavior? And I just point them to the prodigal son story. I mean, if you think about one son— Or, Amy, you can just prompt to Jesus next time. Right, the Bible, the Word, right, for (laughs) sure. But, I mean, when you think about one went off and spent all his dad's money, was with prostitutes, all the things, and he was eating the leftovers of the pigs, and then he decided he wanted to come back home and he could eat the leftovers of his dad's servants, that's at least better than the pigs. And my favorite part of the Scripture is it says, when he did decide to come home, it says, And while he was a long way off, the father ran to him and he had his servants put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. And he said, son, you were lost and now you're found. And how we could be like the other brother easily, you know, well, that's not fair. Like I've been like your perfect son and I have been helping you all this time and yet you've never thrown a party for me. And he's like, son, let's celebrate that your brother was lost and now he's found. And a lot of these girls, they are a long way off. Mm -hmm. But they're there at church. They've turned, they're crazy enough to try church with an unexpected pregnancy, and they've turned to their heavenly father. And we get to be a part of throwing the party. How amazing is that? And let's remember that we've all been a long way off. For sure. Whether you think, okay, the worst thing I've ever done is when I lied in like that seventh grade quiz. No, No. we've all been a long way off, lost in our sin. You know, I just heard someone talk about that prodigal son. And they talked about how when the Jewish culture, when someone would disown their family like that and they were coming back, there was a council that would meet them before they could come back to their family. And they would punish them and ban them. 
And so when the scripture says that when he was a long ways off, the father ran to him, the father was beating out those people before they could disown him and tell mm. him he can't come back. And that's what it's amazing. God does for us is he's running to us because there are people who are say, like you just said, well, now we're condoning sin or you're not welcome here or you've this is the worst thing you could do. You've gone too far. And God is always, always saying, you are not too far gone. I remember one time there was a girl that she kind of had missed a lot of classes and she was worried about not being a part of the baby shower because she had missed. And we kind of, you know, we decided, of course, this is called Embrace Grace. She could be a part of the baby shower. But I remember when she walked in and saw all the gifts, she was about 10 feet back from her table and she had her hand over her mouth and just tears. And she just saw this huge mound of gifts. And she was like... I don't deserve Mm. this. Like she kept saying it over and over again. And I love that. I mean, that's such a beautiful picture of grace. You know, we don't, none of us deserve any of it. Yeah. We're all a mess. Mm -hmm. And I just love how her life was transformed from that moment of seeing all of these gifts, Mm -hmm. you know, for her. And that's just what we're trying to do is Mm -hmm. just helping her get pointed back to Jesus, experience the love and grace of the Lord and for her life to to change. And even just meeting new friends, you know, your friends kind of go off by themselves for a while and you feel alone and helping her get connected back to a spiritual family and new friends that are going through the same thing that she is and and all of that. I love it so, so very much. Okay, Amy, I've heard you a couple times say Mm pro-love versus pro-life. Can you dive into that for me? Yeah, I just feel like pro-love is the action behind. A pro-love is what makes abortion unthinkable. And I feel like God's bringing us people also all the time. Like, I think that everywhere we go is our mission field. And I have met women in the craziest places. One time I was at Sonic and my car, you know, at Sonic, if you've, it was happy hour, had all four of the kids in the car. It was hot, Texas, you know, all that. And if you can't tip at Sonic, they don't have a tip line. So if you have a credit card, you can't tip. You have to have cash if you want to tip. And I've had Embrace Grace Girls work at Sonic. And so they have said, people don't tip. So I've kind of been, I really never go because I never have cash, but I thought I did this time. So I go and I order all the slushies. And as the lady's about to come out, I realized I didn't have cash. So I had to use my card. She gives me all the stuff. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash for a tip, but I will go to the ATM machine and I'll go get you some cash and I'll bring it back for a tip. She's like, no, you don't have to do that but if you want to, you can. I was like, yes, I will. So I go and I go get cash, come back. And when she comes, she's really young. I said, what's your name? And she said, my name's Zoe. And I said, oh my goodness, I love that name. I said, I have a one-year-old little boy. And before I knew, his name's Judah, but before I knew he was a boy, I had picked Zoe as my name. Did you know that your name means life? But it's not like the normal kind of survival life. Like it's the John 10, 10, the John three sixteen, the heavenly realm of life. Like it's an amazing name. You're telling this all to Zoe to as you're giving her a tip girl. after you got your yeah. slushes, okay? And I said, did you know that? And she's like, no, but wait, you have a baby? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he's about one. He's a little bit bigger baby. And she said, me and my boyfriend just found out we're pregnant and we're really nervous. Do you have any advice for me? I'm like- And you said, girl, do I have some advice? (laughs) this is amazing. And so we got to get her connected to a pregnancy center, got her connected to Embrace Grace. I got to be at her wedding. I got to be at her birth. Stop it. I still, to this day, do life with this girl, Zoe, who is so amazing. And if I wouldn't have just- It was all started from her name. You know, what's your name? And she had been praying and asking God, like, 
is there anyone out there, you know, that can see me? And she's such a blessing to my life. And there's people all the time, just even the other day, I was had to stay at a hotel because my husband and daughter had COVID and I had been there for like 10 days. All of a sudden my room key just randomly doesn't work. And I go to the front desk to get my key fixed. And I just, you could barely see it, but I just noticed she'd lightly touched her stomach in a way that as a mom Motherly, to a mom, uh-huh. like I knew. And so I just started the conversation and told her a little bit of my story. So I was nice. She said, I'm 19 too. I said, are you with the father of the baby? She's like, no. I said, are you nervous? She's like, yes. And we just got to have such mm-hmm. an amazing conversation. I got a love box to her, which is one of our cool things that we have at Embrace Grace to encourage her, invited her to Embrace Grace. We'll, we'll see if she comes. I've been texting her a little bit here and there. But God's bringing us people all the time. One other story is one time a girl, she went through, uh, or she had just found out she was pregnant, terrified. Her dad said she'll be a horrible mom. He said, you can have an abortion and you can maybe place for adoption, but you're not gonna parent. And she never had a mom. Her mom left when she was two weeks old. So she didn't even know really what a mom yeah. looked like. So she was so scared. She went to go work her shift at UPS. And right before she walked in, she's like, God, if you're real, if you can hear me, will you bring me a box that has the word church on the label? And then that's when I'll know they're a safe person to talk to because I literally have nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. So she works her whole shift five minutes before closing. Here comes a guy with a box with the word church on the label. And she's like, oh my gosh, do you work at a church? And he's like, no, my company makes web websites for churches. And she's like, oh. And he's like, well, I go to church. And he's, she said, you do? And then that was it. Like started oh bawling gosh. in the UPS store. I'm so scared. My dad said, it'll be a horrible mom. I don't know what to do. And I know this guy, he's the dad of four boys. And he's just like, I'm just here to ship my package. I don't know what's <laughs> happening right now. And so he's like, I think we have something at our church. Like, let me get your information. I'll have my wife call you. And he said some encouraging words to her and he went on his way. And so then she got plugged into an Embrace Grace. And when she came, it was kind of our third class. So she was the newbie. So she was telling everyone about the UPS story and what had happened. And she said something that I will never, ever forget. She said, my dad says I'll be a horrible mom, but that guy at the UPS store said he thought I would be a good mom. And I just sat there like processing what she actually just said. A perfect stranger that she most likely would never meet again. And knowing him, I'm sure he was just like, well, I think you'll be a good mom, you know? He just said what he knew to say. But that literally was all she had to hold on to. Mm. A perfect stranger believed that she could do it, so maybe she could do it. Mm. And God's bringing us people like this all the time, but sometimes we get too busy to even notice. We think of them as, you know, robots that are just meeting our needs when really they're praying and asking God, do you see me? Can you hear me? Mm. And it's it's just amazing. And I feel like I see so many opportunities. I ask God to show me all the time, you know, about it. One time we had a girl that was Wiccan. She believed in witchcraft. And she was like, she got it. Someone told her about Embrace Grace at this church. And she's like, I'll come. But like, I believe in witchcraft. Is that going to be a problem? And I was like, no, sure, just come. Like, yeah. I'm just glad she was coming. She didn't have a car, so I picked her up every single week. And we got to have a lot of deep conversations, just even from the ride there and the ride back, plus of the group. And she never missed one class. And I was just really believed in my heart there was gonna be a salvation experience. Like, I just knew it. I was praising God for it. Like, I knew it was gonna happen. And she did the whole thing, never missed a class. One time she said in the car, I like the way it makes me feel when I come to this class. Mm-hmm. 
I loved that. And I held on to that. So she does the shower. She does the princess day, all the things. And the semester's over and she never surrendered her life to Jesus. And I remember I was kind of offended, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to like, I didn't tell her that, of course. But I was like, God, what did we do wrong? She did the whole thing. Yeah. Like, why didn't it work out the way I wanted it to? And I heard the Lord say, do you think a girl that was Wiccan would have ever stepped foot in a church if you hadn't created her a safe place to be there? So let us water the seeds and like, yeah. let leave her to me. And so I kind of lost touch with her for a while. When you work with a lot of single moms, sometimes they have to change your numbers because they couldn't pay their phone bill, all of that. So when a year later, she calls me totally freaking out out of the blue. Just like, Amy, you will never believe what happened. She's like, I feel like lately maybe God is real. And like, I would think things and then little things would happen. Well, one day she was going in to work her shift and she worked at a gas station. She was a manager of a gas station slash restaurant. And she said, God, if you're real, will you just do something more radical? Like, I don't want to maybe just think you're real. Like, if I'm going to do this, like, I want to know that you're real and not have any doubts. So she goes into her shift and during her shift, this random guy walks up to the counter. And I remember she said he seemed really nervous. And he said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I just want, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that he loves you and he sees you and all he wants is your heart. And she was like, what? And then he walked off. And so she went straight home and she got her curriculum from the yearbook from being in Embrace Grace. She put the tiara on her head and she went to the bathroom to look in the mirror because she said, I wanted it to be a moment that I never doubted this was the moment. I wanted to see myself saying it. And like, she prayed and she surrendered her life to Jesus. And she, I was the first person she called. She was so excited. And I just started thinking about it. It all went back to, she liked the way it made mm. her feel when she came to church. That was it. It was yeah. love that changes people. And then I think about that guy. Yeah. She said he was nervous. Like he probably walked away and thought, I am such a dork. That's the dumbest thing I've ever done. God, do, God, why do you why make do you me make do, me do these dumb things? things, God? Yeah. He had no idea yeah. that she went straight home and surrendered her life to Jesus. Unbelievable. I could just imagine in heaven someday, you know, yeah. that Jesus is like, Remember when I told you, here she is and Uh here's her kids and her grandkids and Mm -hmm. the legacy that changed because of your obedience in stepping out and talking to her. And when she was in a midst of like, God, are you real? I mean, everywhere we go is our mission field. This is what pro-life and pro-love is. Mm. It's looking for the lonely. It's loving them through. They could potentially have an abortion later, but if they can feel the love now, everywhere we go and know that there's so much amazing resources and help and equipping them, she won't be as susceptible to make an abortion decision. I love it so much. You said something earlier. You said that you believe that we can make abortion unthinkable. You didn't say illegal. And another conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some people I've heard say they don't think that it's ever going to become illegal. But you said, and as a follower of Jesus, I really like this. And as someone who really believes in the church and what she can do, you said we could make it unthinkable. I've also heard you say before that the church is not ready for abortion to become illegal. What do you mean by that? Well, and I feel like a lot of pastors kind of, it's like a light bulb moment. Like, so say abortion is illegal. And she doesn't have access to an abortion at all. So now she's in this situation where maybe she potentially could be homeless. She can't afford childcare for one, much less the second one she's pregnant with. You know, all of those things. As a church, are we just going to say, good luck, hope it works out for you? I mean, we have to be ready physically, emotionally, and spiritually to welcome them in and equip them to get back on their feet, whatever that looks like. And like I said, it's not a cookie cutter situation. It's a very much in the trenches. Let us walk with you and help you through this. And that's what we want to do as Embrace Grace. Like, let's help get the church ready to 
whether it politically, whichever way it goes, why don't we just make it unthinkable right now? Mm. That's If we can focus on that, that's where we're going to see so much change yeah. is if we can really help her. And you can't just vote a certain way. You have to be able to walk yeah. alongside yeah. her and put our action to our beliefs. Yeah. If you're pro-life, where's the action yeah. behind it? Because that's where the radical change is going to happen. You know, I think it it always makes me think of what are we as churches and Christians doing when a woman does choose life, you know, and that's the conversation that you're having. And I think that's what's important for churches and Christ followers to look at and say, okay, so if we're so anti-abortion and we're so pro-life, which we should be like, God does not want any life to be lost, but then how are we going to walk alongside this woman and the dad, as you said, and it's beautiful. I am so excited for what you guys are doing. Now, yesterday, congratulations. Yesterday, your book just came out called Help Her Be Brave. You guys are going to want to go get this book. So congratulations on that, Thank Amy. Thank you. Second thing before we go, someone's listening. I think that we have like a lot of things that people could be thinking right now. We've got people who are listening thinking, I had an abortion and I've never had anyone talk to me like this. Or- I'm pregnant right now and I don't know what to do, but this is giving me hope. Or my daughter had an abortion and I did not treat her kindly. But here's what I want you to do is I want you to tell us if someone's listening and they're thinking, you know what? I do want to be a part of something other than every four years voting for someone who's pro-life. I want to be a part of something in the trenches every day. How can my church get involved? What can they do? Well, first of all, buy the book. There are, I think we've counted over 350 ideas of what you and your church can do to make- All in the book. All in the book. guys. It's tons of great stories, but then every chapter at the end has practical ways of how you can help a woman or a man feel empowered to choose life. So starting there is great. Also being, you know, knowing where your pregnancy centers are in your community, knowing what resources, the maternity homes in your community, the places where single moms can get their GEDs or tutoring help. One, I know one church, actually my church gateway, they have a single parent family night and they always have tutors because a lot of the single moms, they come straight from work and picked up their kids from school or daycare, went straight to church. They need help with their tutoring and yeah. their homework and stuff. They offer free meals that night, and then the mom can go and be uh, replenished spiritually. And having programs like that, that just little things like that make such a huge difference. Also, our love boxes are awesome. These are boxes that are given for free to pregnancy centers to be given to women that are maybe on the fence about what they're going to do. It has a baby onesie that says best gift ever. It has my book, A Bump in Life, which is just full of stories of girls that chose life. It has a journal and has testimonies and local Embrace Grace groups in their area. But churches can have love box packing parties where we send Mm -hmm. all the unassembled boxes to them and they write even handwritten letters that go inside. They get to speak life into someone that just found out she's pregnant. What would you say to her? And you get to write that and then package these boxes and then deliver them to your local pregnancy center as a gift from your church to the center. And it's all an invitation for her to come back to your church to be welcomed and loved on. I mean, there's so many great creative ideas of how you can help empower and just really tapping in to, and it has to be more than politically, just tapping into what you specifically, how do you feel passionate? What is your gifts, your strengths, your talents, maybe your story? How can you use that to help someone else feel empowered to choose life? I remember one single mom, she just said, someone used to take the trash out for me. I don't know who did it, but some, one of my neighbors did it. And she said, I always felt like Jesus was taking the trash out for me. Little things like Little that things, make a huge yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I'm so excited to, for people to get your book and to see how they can make a difference. Thank you for your story. Thank you for the work that you guys are doing. There are so many women who are forever changed because they've encountered your organization and 
I'm proud of all you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing about us today. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so we always end with, what are you loving or what are you reading? What you got for us today? Well, one thing I'm reading right now is Rooting for Rivals, and it's so good. And, you know, being in the pro-life world, sometimes it's hard when you're like, this is kingdom. So whenever any organization, if they're saving lives, they're winning. But I remember one church kind of started their own brand of an Embrace Grace. They were doing Embrace Grace, and then they changed. And I kind of got upset about uh-huh. it for a second. Yeah. And then I heard uh, the Lord say, what's your mission statement? Mm. And I said, inspiring and equipping the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families. Families. And he said, we did it. Yeah, They didn't have anything before. Who cares what brand it is? Like it's all kingdom. So that's what Rooting for Rivals is all about. It's so good how everyone wins when we all are cheering each other on. And then one thing I'm loving, I'm super into Poshmark right now. And I love Poshmark. Like I feel like it is, it's kind of like free money because you sell stuff you're not really wearing and then you get a credit and then you could go buy cute stuff. And then you don't feel guilty because it was like free money. I just listed my first things recently. Oh, I have to come find you. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so weird to me. I'm like, it just feels it's like, so I don't fun. know. I'm like, this is like, but I have only sold like one thing. I don't think I'm very good at it. You yeah. have to be good at it? Yeah, you do. There's okay, some see. strategy. Yeah, I got no strategy. And the way you take pictures. It's got to look good. I know I don't have time for this. Yeah. Well, for like selling free something money. for $10. <laughs> <laughs> so Poshmark, Rooting for Rivals. I love it. What else? Anything else? Yeah, also Love and Sex by my friend Nancy Houston. And we're actually about to start a podcast show that's called Then God Made a Woman that'll start in January. And it's just, she's a sex therapist. She's so amazing. And this book is so good because it's... It's written as a fiction, but yet it's not. It's like a therapist with different people coming in, people struggling maybe with same-sex issue, uh, attraction, or it could be porn, or it could be, I don't ever want to have sex with my husband ever. But then getting, the therapist kind of gets to the root of things, of things that maybe had happened as a child, whatever. And then it's just so good. And it's easy to read because it's written kind of more as a story of different stories. And she is so brilliant. She's such an amazing author. So Definitely check out Love and Sex by Nancy Houston. Okay, so you good. just like just randomly dropped in a little like I have a podcast starting January. Okay, we love podcasts. Okay, what are yay. you doing? Well, I actually have two. So oh I have, my gosh, two. I have a Helper Be Brave podcast, which that's already going. And that is actually all of the amazing pro-life organizations that are out there. We're just highlighting them, talking about what they're doing. So hopefully anyone that listens can be like, that's it. That's what I want to connect to. That's what I want to do to help a woman be brave. And then we have another one that we're starting that'll launch in January that called Then God Made a Woman. And it's about all of the sex things, all of the love things, the intimacy, the things that God designed and created us for. Our first season will be about sexual trauma and getting into the roots of some things. So definitely look for both. Then God Made a Woman and Help Her Be Brave. Oh my gosh. It sounds like Love Lines. I used to listen to Love Lines when I was in high school, but my parents wouldn't let me because it was like Dr. Drew and it was probably totally inappropriate. I remember so that So I would show. listen in my room at night. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like but that, with but Jesus. with Jesus. But with Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Amy, thank you so much. Everything that we mentioned, uh, web pages, anything, obviously. Obviously, you guys, we're going to have them in our show notes. So, Amy, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. It's a new year. Remember, if you want to join us for our marriage challenge, it's super easy. Text the word marriage to 55444. 
As always, we love it when you share these shows with your friends. It's the number one way that people find out about the happy hour is by someone sending them a message saying, oh my gosh, you have to listen to this episode. So we would love it if you did that today. Come back next week to hear my conversation with Ben Higgins. It is a good one. You do not want to miss it. 